You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, hello there. Before you start throwing crockery at me for surprising you in the night like this, I suddenly found myself with an hour or two, so I thought I'd very quickly put a show together. Yes, it's the school holiday. And even worse than that, it's the summer holiday. Which means that it's a school holiday, but much, much longer. It is the Don McLean's American Pie of holidays. The dental treatment of holidays. The one that goes for far, far too long. Still, as I say... I have managed to embezzle a few hours away for myself, so please accept this slightly truncated version of Attaboy Clarence. And while you're at it, have a Canterbury. Canterbury. I just want to give a quick shout out to Paul Newton, who has opened a classic movie DVD store online and has some great titles up there actually, including Ceiling Zero, the Cagney film I told you about a little while ago, and then there were none, the quintessential mystery thriller. The Woman in the Window, The Hitchhiker, The Dark Mirror, loads of others. Do go on over and take a look at www.newtsproducts.com. So I thought I might start dedicating a small portion of these shows to some rather obscure names that you might be used to seeing at the beginning of classic movies. Names that stick out. Names that you see very often in old movies, even if you aren't exactly always sure who those people are. For example, at the beginning of almost every MGM movie, you always see the names of Cedric Gibbons and Douglas Shearer generally next to each other. On Warner films, you would often see Max Steiner. At Universal, you would always see Jack Pierce and John Fulton, names that strike some sense of familiarity inside you, almost subconsciously sometimes. There's something comforting about seeing these names. They almost become as familiar as the names of the actors. Well, I'd like to zoom in on one or two of them from time to time, and today, I'd like to start with a screen credit you see very often in classic film. Gowns by Adrian. The reason you probably remember the credit Gowns by Adrian is because it featured on so very many classic truly classic movies. It pops up at the beginning of Anna Christie, The Divorcee, A Free Soul, Grand Hotel, Red Dust, Dinner at Eight, Queen Christina, Anna Karenina, The Great Ziegfeld, Romeo and Juliet, The Philadelphia Story, Rope, The Women, The Wizard of Oz, and so many, many more. Yes, at the end there, you heard The Wizard of Oz. Adrian is the man who designed and created the fabulous and iconic ruby slippers for The Wizard of Oz, among many other creations for the film. Adrian was born Adrian Adolf Greenberg in Connecticut and really was a man who followed his heart when it came to career choices. He wanted to design from a very young age. He attended the New York School for Fine and Applied Arts, which is today known as the Parsons School of Design. From there, he was hired by Natasha Rambova, the wife of Rudolph Valentino, to design costumes for her film A Sainted Devil in 1924. And really, 
he never left the A-list of Hollywood costume designers after that. His tally when it comes to designing for actresses is rather unparalleled, I have to say. He designed for Katharine Hepburn and Jeanette MacDonald and Greta Garbo in pretty much every film she made. In fact, the only keepsake that Garbo kept from Hollywood when she retired was a pair of white gloves designed for her by Adrian. He designed for Jean Harlow nine times, Norma Shearer 18 times, and Joan Crawford a staggering 28 times. Joan Crawford's trademark shoulder pads? That was Adrian. Oh, and if you think you've had a challenging day at the office from time to time, then how about being assigned to costume design for the 1939 film The Women, which famously starred pretty much every one of Hollywood's most glamorous actresses. You may have never seen the uncut version of the film, which features a 10-minute Technicolor fashion parade of sorts. All Adrian's most out-there designs. Do search for it if you haven't seen it. Anyway, the man had credentials, as time has proven. This didn't stop the Hollywood industry from discriminating against Adrian because of his sexuality, though. Ironic, really, considering he provided the gowns for the 1930 movie Let Us Be Gay. Adrian was openly gay in a time when homosexuality was being openly oppressed by the studio heads due to the constraints being placed upon them by the production code office. To counter this, in 1939, Adrian entered into a marriage with Janet Gaynor, the first actress to win the Oscar for Best Actress back in 1927. It has long been supposed that the marriage between Adrian and Janet Gaynor was nothing but a sham arrangement designed to conceal the fact that they both enjoyed the company of the same sex. But despite the circumstances that may have led to the marriage itself, they remained together until Adrian's death in 1959 and between them produced a son named Robin. So they obviously did love each other. By 1941, he'd grown disillusioned with Hollywood, mainly due to the fact that many of the most glamorous stars had begun to leave Hollywood, and also because wartime rationing and flamboyant design were constantly at odds. He set up shop in New York and designed very successfully for the elite of the fashion world until his death in 1959 at the age of just 56. This is another reason that I'm convinced that Adrian's marriage to Janet Gaynor can't have been so cynically conceived as many would have you believe. Janet Gaynor and Adrian had both left Hollywood and yet they remained together, despite the fact that they were no longer subject to the prejudices of the production code. Despite the legendary designs that Adrian created for movies during his time in Hollywood, he never won an Academy Award. Okay, so this was mainly due to the fact that the costume design category wasn't introduced until 1948, but still... Considering that Adrian of Gowns by Adrian fame was the man who designed the ruby slippers from The Wizard of Oz, it does feel like a slight injustice. And there, just a little slice of Hollywood history for you. <laughs> well, before my incredibly loud family arrive home, let me tell you about a movie. 1949's Whiskey Galore from Ealing Studios starring Joan Greenwood, Basil Radford, Gordon Jackson... Bruce Seaton, Jean Cadell, and James Robertson Justice. The little island of Toddy is a completely isolated community, a hundred miles from the mainland, a hundred miles from the nearest cinema or dance hall. 
but in 1943, disaster overwhelmed this little island. Not famine nor pestilence, nor Hitler's bombs, or the hordes of an invading army, but something far, far worse. There is no whiskey. Okay, so you more than likely already know the plot, but for those of you who do not, in the westerly reaches of fair Scotland lies an island by the name of Torrey, fictional of course, which due to wartime rationing has run out of whiskey. Hitler be damned! The fact that there is not a drop of whiskey on Toddy is the biggest catastrophe ever faced by the island folk who all pray for a miracle. Here's a pipe of mine. I couldn't be robbing you of your own pipe, Doctor. You're too kind altogether. Doctor's orders. I have another one. Ah, well, it's yourself that is the doctor, right enough. I only wish I could have brought you a dram to go with it. I, I would like fine to have just one more really good dram before I join the old woman. The miracle soon arrives in the form of a freighter by the name of the SS Cabinet Minister, which runs aground just off the coast of Toddy, its cargo seemingly lost to the bellowing seas. But when the islanders discover that the freighter's cargo is 50,000 cases of whiskey, they quickly organize a strike force to loot the ship and its contents before it's lost beneath the water. She has a very valuable cargo on board, several thousand cases of whiskey. Anything might happen. You, you can't trust these people. Sunday, Paul, no one on Toddy would break the Sabbath? I know, darling, but the Sabbath ends at midnight. The only problem is that the island is currently being overseen by the conscientious and stuffy Captain Waggett of the Home Guard, who is strictly of the opinion that looting is strictly out. The Home Guard must accept the responsibility. If the salvage people won't touch it, would it be so terrible if the people here did get a few bottles? I mean, if it's all going down to the bottom of the sea. That's a very dangerous line of argument, Dolly, very. Once you let people take the law into their own hands, it's, it's anarchy. Anarchy. Yes, Cue a series of madcap attempts to conceal the thousands of bottles of whiskey that the men of Toddy have stolen from the ship, just as Captain Waggett arrives with a very interested gang of customs and excise men from the mainland. The film itself is based on the novel of the same name by Compton Mackenzie, the premise of which was based on the real-life case of the SS Politician, which ran aground off the island of Eriske in 1941. In real life, the locals ended up salvaging over a quarter of a million bottles of whiskey from the sinking ship. They actually wore women's dresses over their sailors' clothes to prevent the oil leaking from the SS Politician from staining their clothes and thereby identifying them as a looter. Eventually, the islanders were investigated by the customs and excise officials who found bottles hidden everywhere on the island, from crags and crevices to guttering and drain pipes. Rumors tell of bottles still turning up today in the most unlikely of places. Some of the men were fined, some were actually imprisoned, and eventually, to stop the salvaging from continuing, the hull of the sunken ship was dynamited to prevent any more looting from taking place. Spoil sports, weren't they? Anyway, back to the film, which has, I am pleased to tell you, a much more cheerful resolution. What I love about this film is that all of the islanders are exquisitely drawn 
by the film's writer, coincidentally Compton McKenzie, who really uses his skills as a novelist to give each character, no matter how minor, a soul and a reason for existing in the film, from Basil Radford's obnoxious home guard official to Joan Greenwood's sly girl in love, from Gordon Jackson's dominated reserve soldier to Wiley Watson's increasingly desperate drunken sailor. This really is a feast of character actors and by the time the film has finished you will feel like part of the village, I promise you. These people will have become your friends which makes their madcap antics and subsequent attempts to hide the whiskey even more exciting and involving. There are problems, I won't lie to you. The accents in places are horrendous, especially from James Robinson Justice. What on earth all this nonsense? Compare it to other Ealing Studios films and you will miss the sumptuous production design. This is a very raw film, but my goodness, it is a gorgeous film to watch. The photography of these Scottish Isles is stunning. And it's a film without a mean bone in its body. Even the villains of the piece are amusingly lovable. 1949 was quite a year for Ealing. This was the year that saw the release of not just this, but Passport to Pimlico and Kind Hearts and Coronets. All three of those movies were nominated for the BAFTA for Best British Film. And which do you think won? Well, actually, it was the third man. Good heavens, British cinema was flying high that year. Anyway, for those of you who love the quieter charms of good-natured British cinema, Whiskey Galore is a bona fide classic. A movie that, much like its contraband the cargo, only improves with age. Treat yourself to a shot, why don't you? On to one of my favourite movies ever. A film that pretty much defines the phrase sophisticated comedy. 1958's Indiscreet, starring Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman. Oh, hello, Philip. <laughs> Darling, I want you to meet Mr. Philip Adams. This is my wife. How do you do? How do you do? And my sister-in-law, Miss Anna Kalman. How do you do? How do you do? Oh, Miss Kalman is no stranger to me. I've seen you often on the stage. I'm a fervent admirer. Why, thank you, kind sir. You know, I once stayed over an extra day in Liverpool because you were billed to appear and then the performance was cancelled. I'm sorry. It turned out to be a fortunate delay. I made some money out of it. I'm glad. I would have gladly traded the money for the performance. Would you care to see the performance now? I'll play all the parts. How much money was it? The story here concerns Anna Kalman played by Ingrid Bergman, a London-based stage actress who's always been unlucky in love. That all changes when she's introduced to visiting economist and businessman Philip Adams, played by Cary Grant, a debonair man about town with just one flaw. I'm a married man, Miss Carmen. I'm sorry, I'm awfully sorry. It's <laughs> perfectly all right. <laughs> you see, when I first came in this evening, I said there was no Mrs. Adams. I meant there was no Mrs. Adams with me in Europe. Yes, yes. No Mrs. Adams dressing. Mm -hmm. It's been on my conscience all evening. Yes, I, I must say you've been palming yourself off as a single man. <laughs> <laughs> I must have sounded quite idiotic, blurting it out like oh, that. Oh, no, not at all. It was very proper and pertinent. Oh, rather vain, too. Vain? Why? Well, the implication was that you wouldn't be able to keep your hands off me. That sounds pretty silly, too. 
Well, you'll never know now. Yes, unfortunately for Anna, Philip is already married, albeit unhappily, to a wife he cannot divorce. Therefore, their romance can never progress past living in sin, a fact that sits like an ache in Anna's heart. But there is something that Philip isn't telling her. Why do you pretend to be a married man when you're not? How did you know? Well, they make quite a security check. Do you intend to tell Anna? No, of course not. What do you take me for? Her brother-in-law, for one thing. Well, I'm not her guardian. You must admit that it doesn't sound honorable. Well, then let me make my position clear to you. <laughs> Actually, it's, it's clear enough. No, 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 obviously it isn't. No, no, come along now. You see, Philip is not a married man pretending to be single. He is, in fact, a single man pretending to be married, a ruse he's always used as a backdoor exit to his many romantic entanglements. But what will happen when Anna finds out the truth? This was based on a play by Norman Krasner called Kind Sir, which had been a smash hit starring Charles Boyer and Mary Martin. Well, when it was first announced that the play was to be adapted for the screen, they were looking at casting Clark Gable opposite either Jane Mansfield or Marilyn Monroe. I personally can't see either of those two actresses working in this part. It certainly would have been a very different film to the one we ended up with, which is one of the classiest and most romantic and most sparkling of comedies. Aside from the romance side of things, which is so joyfully played, the film turns into a sort of slapstick farce in its last half hour. You have Cary Grant doing a wacky dance at a ball. You have Ingrid Bergman trying to organize her revenge on him by using her chauffeur as the other man. It's set mainly in a sumptuous London apartment and drenched in some gorgeous swirling music. The direction from Stanley Donan is similarly gorgeous to behold. There's a marvelous scene where Bergman and Grant are calling each other from their separate bedrooms on the telephone. And the film split screens to make it seem as though they're chatting to each other in the same bed. There's also a bewitching first date scene where they go walking in London at night. And although it's almost wordless, you can feel the first blossoms of love, all set to the backdrop of the actual London from 1958. It is a lovely film, very gentle, very sophisticated. It's not what you call action-packed, but it is certainly one of the most memorably enchanting romances that Bergman or Grant ever made. Do check out 1958's Indiscreet. Well, Indiscreet was never adapted for radio. It came along a little late in radio's lifetime for that. In fact, Ingrid Bergman and Cary Grant, from what I can see, didn't actually star in any old-time radio plays together, which is a shame. They did, though, star in some classics for the screen, one of which was, of course, Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious. Well, I have here the Lux Radio Theatre's version for you to enjoy, which stars Ingrid Bergman opposite Joseph Cotton in the Devlin role, which I'm sure you'll agree is a very fine substitute. I shall leave you with that, then, and I will see you afterwards. <laughs> It's the height of the tourist season in Miami, Florida, and the passengers of a plane from New York have hastened to their hotels, all save one, a Mr. Devlin, who has gone directly to a building owned by the United States government. There, in an obscure and private office... 
Last Thursday, John Huberman, traitor, was sentenced to 20 years in the federal penitentiary. So I heard, Prescott. Congratulations. Oh, thanks, Devlin, but I didn't drag you down here to pat me on the back. Huberman has a daughter here in Miami. Oh? Now, she was in no way involved with her father or with any of the other Nazi agents who worked against us during the war. I believe she can be of great help to us now. That's what I want you to find out. You've approached her? Not yet, but we know a great deal about her. Oh, here's her photograph. Alicia Huberman. <laughs> Attractive. Very. And something of a problem. Miss Huberman is not what our mothers would have called a nice girl. Out every night, drinks a lot, gets arrested once a week for reckless driving. Oh. But whatever she may be, we think she's still a good American. I, uh, have made arrangements for you to meet her tomorrow night. That should be pleasant. Yes. Tomorrow night, Alicia Huberman is throwing a party. If it's a customary party, it will be loud, long, and alcoholic. On Sunday, she plans to leave on a cruise with friends. I want you to find out if she'll go to work for us instead. In South America. South America? Yes, Rio de Janeiro. Well, here's the whole file on Miss Huberman. Look it over and then start asking questions. Often, Miss Huberman, leave your party, go for rides at two in the morning. Oh, I thought you invited me to take a ride. Didn't, didn't make you an extent. Oh, yeah, no. Don't you think I'd better drive? No. No, I thought that was understood. Or do you think I'm drunk? Oh, oh, oh no. You know something, Mr. Devlin. Devlin, Devlin. How'd you get to my party? <laughs> the Hopkins, remember? No. No, I don't remember. Anyway, you were saying. Anyway, I like you. You're quite a boy, aren't you? Oh, huh? terrific. How am I doing? 80 miles an hour. Oh, you can stop grinning. I don't like gentlemen who grin at me. <laughs> I was really grinning at the man in the mirror. What mirror? Uh, what man? A man on a motorcycle. We're being pursued. Cops. Oh, they make me sick. Well, I'm glad you're stopping. I think this cop wants to talk oh. to you. Oh, am I drunk? If I am, I go to jail. My whole family in jail. Who cares? <laughs> Having a time for yourself, aren't you? Well, people like you ought to be in bed. And drinking, huh? Wait just a minute, officer. No arguments, mister. Yeah. What do I want your license for? She was at the wheel. This isn't a driver's license. Huh? Oh. Sorry. Okay. Sure you can handle her? I think so. Well, you ought to know. Night. Night. Oh, wait. No, that, 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 that cop, he saluted you. Did he? Why, you... Double crossing. You're a cop yourself. Now, we'll argue about that later. Right now, I'm taking you home. Get out of my now, car. Look. You're not taking me Move anyway. Over. I'll get, out of, get your hands off me, crashing my party. You are a federal cop, aren't you? I aren't said you? Move over. Get out. Leave me alone. You're trying to get something on you me. You've got to calm down. Get out. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Superman. First time this week I've socked a lady. Morning, Alicia. Feeling better? Oh, what do you care how I feel? You cop. <laughs> it's eight o'clock. Oh. Your other guest left about three hours ago. Oh, uh, want a refill for that ice bag? Say, what's all this about? What's your angle? What angle? 
Why did you crash my party? Wanted to meet you. Oh, so you could frame me? No, I've got a job for you. Mm, don't tell me. There's only one job that you coppers would want me for, but I'm I'm not a stool pigeon, Mr. Devlin. <laughs> my department has authorized me to offer you a job in Brazil. Oh, go away. Some of the German gentry whom your father once worked for are in Rio now, busy as little bees. I'm not interested. We're working with the Brazilian government to smoke them out. My chief thinks that the daughter of a... Of a traitor. Well... Mm-hmm. He thinks you could be valuable to us and you could make up a little of your daddy's peculiarities. Why should I? Patriotism. Patriotism. <gasps> Waving the flag in one hand and picking pockets with the other? That's your patriotism and you can have it. What do you have? My own life. Go away and leave me alone. Your own life? What's that? Good times and laughs with people I like. No underhanded cops who want to set me up in a shooting gallery. People of my own kind who treat me right and like me and understand me. And like Mr. Hopkins. What about Mr. Hopkins? Just phoned. Said to remind you, his yacht sails at noon. They're all calling for you at 11. Oh, then why don't you get out of here? The plan to Rio leaves tomorrow morning. Then you must drop me a postcard, Mr. Devlin. Rio must be beautiful this time. We're coming into Rio, Miss Huberman. Well? Well, what? When are you going to ask me why I changed my mind? Why, I took a plane instead of a yacht. Well, you're here, aren't you? As soon as we land, we'll look up Mr. Prescott. Who's Mr. Prescott? Our boss. Miss mm-hmm. Huberman, just now when I was talking to the pilot... Told you we were coming into Rio. Told me something else. A message came in over the radio. Your father. What about my father? He... He committed suicide this morning in his cell. Oh. I'm sorry. And I don't know why I should care, but I do. When I found out about my father a few years ago, who he was, what he was doing, everything went to pot. I didn't care what happened to me, but but now I suddenly remember how nice he he once was. How nice we both once were. Anything I can do? No. It's a very curious feeling. As if something had happened to me and not to him. You see, I don't have to hate my father anymore. Or myself. Well, Dave, how do you like the apartment Mr. Prescott found for me? It's very attractive. Will I be staying here? I wish I could tell you. I don't know. Well, will you know? Sooner, thank Huh? Prescott's meeting now with the Brazilian intelligence. Oh, so you fixed dinner, huh? Mm-hmm. Have time for another drink? Thanks, I've had enough. Oh. Well, aren't you impressed? I'm practically on the wagon. Well, it's a phase. You don't think a woman can change? Sure. Change is fun for a while. For a while. You've been sober for ten days now, and as far as I know, you've made no new conquests. Well, that's something, isn't it? Mm. Ten days. Practically whitewashed. What it... What a rat you are. I'm very happy, Dev. Why won't you let me be happy? Nobody's stopping you. Why don't you give that copper's brain of yours a rest? Every time you look at me, it tells you, no, 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 stay away from her, it says. She's no good. She never will be. Alicia. Go on, Dev. Go on. You can take my hand. I won't blackmail you for it afterwards. Thanks. You are afraid. Afraid you're falling in love with me? That wouldn't be hard to do. Oh, no, no, no. Careful, Devlin. Careful. Hmm. You enjoy making fun of me, don't you? No. 
I'm making fun of myself. I'm pretending I'm a very nice, unspoiled child whose heart is full of daisies and buttercups. Nice daydream. Then what? I think I will have another drink. Yeah. Thought you'd get around to it. Why won't you believe me in me, Dad? Just a little. Why won't you? How do you know I don't? I know because you're sore. You've fallen for me and you don't like it, no. People will laugh at you. Poor Dad. Poor Dad in love with a no-good gal. It must be awful. Don't say anything, Dad. Just kiss me. Don't say anything. Devlin? Something wrong? Wrong? No, no. Nothing's wrong, Prescott. I, uh, I'm sorry I had to send for you. I'm sorry I interrupted your date with Miss Huberman. Well, here's the setup. Okayed by Brazil Intelligence. The leader of the German agents here in Rio is a man named Alex Sebastian. Well, if we know who he is, why can't we pick him up? Oh, sure, sure we could pick him up. The next day someone else takes his place and whatever it is they're working on continues. Their headquarters is Sebastian's home. We need somebody to get inside that house. Somebody in Sebastian's confidence. In other words, Alicia Huberman. Right. You said you were having dinner with her when I called. I'll go back to her apartment then and tell her. She's good at making friends with gentlemen, so... If that's meant to be funny, I... The devil's eating you. I... I don't know if she'll do it. You haven't even discussed it. No, but... I don't think she's that type of woman. She, she's never been trained for that kind of work. They'll, they'll see through her. Miss Huberman was chosen for two reasons. One, her father was a Nazi agent. Two, Sebastian once knew her in Washington. Sebastian knew her? Yes, he was in love with her. Well, I didn't know that. Well, you know it now. We've got to get Miss Huberman inside his house and find out what's going on there. How, uh, how does she meet him? Well, I think the riding club would be best. Sebastian rides every morning. The rest is up to you and Miss Huberman. You've hardly said a word, Deb. My cooking isn't that bad. It's a little well done, maybe, but still. I'm sorry I was so late getting back. Uh, Prescott, uh, Billy. Uh... What's the matter, Deb? Trouble? In a way. All this secrecy is going to ruin my little dinner. Come on, handsome. What is darkening your brow? Well, later. No, 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 now. Look, I'll make it easy for you. The time has come when you must tell me that you have a wife and two adorable children, and this madness between us can go on no longer. But you've heard that line often enough. Oh, that wasn't fair, Dad. Then skip it. You remember a man named Sebastian? Alex Sebastian? Yes. He was one of my father's friends. Had quite a crush on you. Oh, I wasn't very responsive. Well, he's in town. He's part of the combine that built up the German war machine. He ho- hopes to keep on going. Something big? All the earmarks. We'll have to contact him. Go on. Let's have all of it. We're meeting him tomorrow morning, and you're going to go to work on him. Not a hurry. She makes love for the secret papers? Prescott's orders? Yes. Did you say anything? Well, I mean, maybe I wasn't the right girl for such shenanigans. No. I figured that was up to you if if you cared to back out. Mm-hmm. I suppose you told him that Alicia Huberman will have this Sebastian eating out of her hand in a couple of weeks. She's so good at that. Always I was. didn't say anything. Not a word? For the little lovesick lady who cooked dinner for you? I told you that's the assignment. Oh, don't get cross, Deb. I'm only fishing for a little bird call from my, my dream man. 
One little remark such as, uh, how dare you suggest that Alicia Huberman, don't you, Miss Huberman, be submitted to so That's ugly a fate? That's not funny either. Oh, darling. What you didn't tell Prescott, tell me. That you believe I'm nice. And that I love you and that I'll never change back. I'm waiting for your answer. What a little pal you are. Never believing me, not a word of faith. Just down the drain with Alicia. That's where she belongs. Oh, definitely. Pour me a drink and tell me what I do for Uncle Sam. We'll meet Sebastian on the bridal path. When he questions you about me, I'm with Pan American Airways Public Relations. Anything else? I happen to meet you on the plane from Miami. The less detail, the better. That's all. That's all. My beautiful dinner. Cold. Cold as ice. Get over it, Alicia. Meeting you this morning. All places of bridal path in Rio de Janeiro. Oh, how do you know I wasn't looking for you, Alex? Oh, if I could only believe that. You should. Didn't I prevail upon you to take me to dinner? Uh-huh. Prevail. <laughs> you look very well, Alex. After four years here, dullness and disintegration. You look younger than you did in Washington. Entirely due to your presence, Alicia. You always affected me like a tonic. Who are you looking at, my dear? That man who just came in. Do you know him? I, I don't think I do. His name is Prescott. Espionage. Oh. The American embassy is loaded with them. Really? They bothered you since you came here? No, 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 not yet. That's one reason I left Miami to get away from their snooping. I wondered why you left your father. He insisted, Alex. He was so unselfish. He kept begging me to leave. I had no idea he, he was going to die. Many have died, Alicia. We mustn't let our spirit die with him. Perhaps I can help you forget. No, Alex. There's... There's someone else, of course. Is there? Who, Alicia? That, uh, Mr. Devlin who was with you this morning? <laughs> Mr. Devlin doesn't interest me in the least. I... I've just been so lonely. I could have gone riding this morning with Peter Rabbit. <laughs> you will let me help your loneliness? Oh, you're very sweet to forget what a... What a brat I was. Once. Well, then I'll test your opinions immediately. Will you have dinner with me again tomorrow night? My mother's giving a little party at home. Oh, Alex, how nice. Are you sure you're... She won't mind an extra guest? Oh, an old friend is never an extra guest. Thank you, Alex. Very beautiful, Miss Huberman. Don't you agree, Devlin? Sebastian is sending his car for Miss Huberman. I suggest we get out of her apartment. Oh, there's time. Now, part of your job tonight, Miss Huberman, will be to get the names of all the men you see in Sebastian's house. You mean the Germans? That won't be difficult. Don't underestimate them. They're a very keen and desperate bunch. Anything else? No, nothing. Good luck. Thank you. Oh, uh, unless you have something urgent to report, we'd better avoid each other for the next few days, just in case Sebastian's crowd wants to check on you after tonight. Very well. And don't meet here when you do. What about the racetrack, Devlin? Racetrack's fine. We can arrange a date by phone. Night, Alicia. Miss Huberman, well, well, good afternoon. Mr. Devlin, how nice seeing you again. Uh, picking any winners? You alone? No, Alex and his mother. Where? The box in the clubhouse. I'm sure they can't see us. Play it safe and keep smiling. Well? I've seen Alex twice since the dinner at his house. Who was there? His mother, her servant named Joseph, hmm. and four other men. William Rosner, Eric Matisse, Emil Hoopkin, and Professor Anderson. Go on. 
Have you ever heard of Anderson? No. He, he's some kind of scientist. Medium height, gentle face, uh, 60 years old. Uh-huh. Gray hair, deep crease in his forehead. Are you writing this down? Oh, I'm just trying to check these horses on my program. Uh, look happy, will you? What about him? Who heard of him? No. He made quite a scene at the dinner about a bottle of wine. A bottle of wine? Yes, it was on the buffet. Hookah became quite excited. He said it should be removed at once. Well, what happened? They just ignored him and kept this conversation going. Hookah seemed quite flustered, apologetic. I, I couldn't figure it out. Did they serve the wine? No, not that particular bottle. Do you think it had any significance? I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what brand was it? All I saw of the label was vintage 1939, 1934. Has Hookah pulled anything since? I haven't seen him since. Well, what else? Just a minor item you may want for the record. Well? You can add Sebastian's name to my list of playmates. Uh, pretty fast work. That's what you wanted, wasn't it? His mother suspects me. What? Oh, don't worry. She believes I'm after her son's money. You betting on this race, Mr. Devlin? They're about to start. No. Alex says number 10 is sure to oh, win. I can't help recalling some of your remarks about being a new woman. Daisies and buttercups, wasn't it? What are you angry about? You knew very well what I was doing. Did I? You could have stopped me with one word, but no, you threw me at it. I threw it, you know. Now keep your eyes on the race. Use your binoculars. Didn't you tell me to go ahead? A man doesn't tell a woman what to do. A woman tells herself. You almost had me believing in that little hokey-pokey miracle of yours that a woman like you could change her spots. That's why I didn't try to stop you. The answer had to come from you. I see some kind of love. That's right. But you never believed in me anyway, so what's the difference? That goes your number ten. What if I had believed in you? What if I had figured she could never go through with it? She's been made over by love. You only want to accept that you loved me. Oh, listen, you chalked up another boyfriend. That's all. No harm done. You know occasion, too. You're doing fine work. I'll see that they're told. Oh. We're having a meeting tomorrow with Barbosa, Brazilian intelligence. In case you're interested, number 10 is winning the race. Yeah, Sebastian knows how to pick them. That's all you've got to say. Oh, dry your eyes, baby. It's out of character. And be quick about it. Here comes Dreamboat. Oh, oh. Mr. Devlin. Sebastian. Oh, Alex. Oh, what a wonderful race. Alicia tells me you had a bet on that number 10. Sorry I didn't meet you early, Alicia. Well, I'll see you soon, I hope. Yes. What's the matter, Alex? You're not at all excited about the race? I didn't see the race. I was watching you and Mr. Devlin. You had an appointment to meet him here? Oh, don't be absurd. I just happened to bump into him. You didn't appear anxious to get away. I watched you. I thought maybe you were in love with him. Alex, really, I detest him. I'd like to be convinced. Would you maybe care to convince me, Alicia? But you know, Mr. Devlin, Senor Barbosa. Yeah. Mr. Devlin. And this is Mr. Beardsley, also of our office. Senor Barbosa, Brazilian intelligence. Sit down, gentlemen. Well? Our little theatrical plan is working, Senor. Good. Thanks to Miss Huberman, we know that Otto Rensler is working here in Rio. He was one of Hitler's scientific wizards, now known as Professor Anderson. Anderson? And that body found in the surf two days ago. Yes, identified. His description fits Emil Hupka. One of the boys who must have said the right thing at the wrong time. I'd still like to know about that wine bottle. Excuse me, senor. Uh, yes? Miss Huberman to see Mr. Prescott or Mr. Devlin. Here? Yes, sir. Show her in. 
I don't like this. They're coming in. Well, she's had me worried for some time. A woman of that sort. What sort is that, Mr. Beardsley? Oh, I don't think any of us have any illusions about Monsieur Bruin, have we, Dublin? Not the slightest. Monsieur Bourbon is first, last, and always not a lady. She may be risking her life, but when it comes to being a lady, she doesn't hold a candle to your wife, sir, sitting in Washington playing bridge with three other ladies of great and impeachable honor. Take it easy, Dev. Sorry. I think those remarks about my wife are uncalled for. Sean, I apologize. Oh, come in, Miss Huberman. Mr. Beardsley, Senor Barbosa. How do you do? Senorita, you have the esteem of my garden. But we're worried about your visiting this office. I promise not to break the rules again, but I need advice. I couldn't find Mr. Something happened? Yes, Mr. Sebastian has asked me to marry him. Well, well. I'm to give him my answer at lunch. I didn't know what the department might think about such a move. You're willing to go that far for us, Monsieur? Yes. If you wish. Devlin, may I ask what inspired Sebastian to go this far? He's in love with me. And he thinks you're in love with him. Yes, that's what he thinks. Gentlemen, it is the cream of the jest. Then... Then it is all right. Oh, it's an ideal marriage for us. Yes, everything seems to be arranged perfectly. I don't think you need me here any longer, Prescott. Oh, no, but we... Uh... Oh, excuse me then. Uh... Oh, uh, congratulations, Alicia. Thank you, Dev. I knew you'd be impressed. moment, we will return with Act Two of Notorious. Meanwhile, here's Libby Collins, our Hollywood reporter. I looked for you last Monday evening, Libby, at the metro Golden mayor premiere of Castimolin. Oh, I was there, Mr. Keeley, but I don't wonder you didn't see me in those crowds. It certainly was an exciting opening. It looked as if practically every star in Hollywood turned out to see the screen version of Sinclair Lewis's powerful novel. You know, it seemed just as dramatic the second time, even though I'd seen a preview at the studio. Spencer Tracy is marvelous in the title role. With Lana Turner for romantic interest, well, it just couldn't miss. The triangular love story is always a great theme. Especially when Zachary Scott is the rival for Lana Turner's love. A perfect cast and a gripping play like that is every producer's dream. <laughs> and every feminine moviegoer will envy Lana Turner when, as Ginny in Cast Timberlane, she goes on a shopping spree in New York. She buys herself an expensive glamour wardrobe, including some wonderfully wispy nylon stockings. I said to myself, if John Kennedy here had been technical advisor, he would have included a shot of her buying Lux Flakes to take care of them. Well, Libby, it's highly, improbable, or highly probable that Sinclair Lewis' heroine did. Because smart women everywhere know that Lux makes stockings last long. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I know that the studio kept those stockings lovely as new for retakes by washing them with Lux flakes after every wearing. A wise procedure for women everywhere. Because tests show that stockings actually last twice as long when they're washed with Lux. It was really surprising how quickly identical stockings, washed with a strong soap or rubbed with cake soap, went into runs. The luxed ones kept going twice as long, and the colors looked so much fresher, too. That extra wear is just like getting an extra pair of stockings every time you buy a pair. That's why Lux Flakes are America's favorite stocking care. We return you now to William Keeley. Continuing with Act Two of Notorious, starring Ingrid Bergman as Alicia and Joseph Cotton as Devlin. <laughs>
A few hours have passed. Elated by Alicia's consent to marry him, Alex Sebastian has just brought the news to his mother. Marry her. What are you? A moonstruck boy? Of course she is beautiful, but... That's what? But many things. Her sympathies, for instance. Where do they lie? I've told you a dozen times, Mother. Alicia does not concern herself with politics. At her father's trial, why did she not testify on his behalf? Because her father insisted she be kept clear of it. So she said. Mother, are you accusing Alicia of lying? I accuse only you. Thinking of marriage at a time like this. Risking everything we have worked for, suffered for. Oh, Alicia knows nothing. She will know nothing. But I know. Know what? That she came here for one purpose. To capture the rich Alex Sebastian for her husband. And she has succeeded. Oh, you're being absurd. We will discuss it more fully tonight. We will not discuss it tonight. You're jealous, just as you've always been jealous of any woman I've been interested in. Now, Alicia and I shall be married next week. Be private. We shall both be pleased to have you present, if you wish. Come in, Joseph. Did you want something? Only to tell you how happy I am that you and Mr. Sebastian are home again. The house needs you, madame. Thank you. You had a pleasant wedding trip? Very. Oh, as long as you're here, Joseph, my clothes. I'd like all my dresses put out on the bed, please. I have aired all the closets, madame. Mm, but there isn't enough closet space in this bedroom. Isn't there a storeroom down the hall? Uh, yes, madame. But the door, it is locked. Then bring me the key, please. Mr. Sebastian's mother, madame, she has all the house keys. Oh. Do you know where Mr. Sebastian is? I believe he is having a business meeting in his study. Business meeting? Professor Anderson, madame. Yes. And the other gentleman. What are you saying, Professor? That I have news for you, my friends. My work is done. Ah, oh, you've been successful. Yes, Alex, yes. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Oh, Alicia, my dear. Come in. Oh, I didn't know you were busy, Alex. Some of the closets seem to have been locked. Could you give me the keys? The keys? You mean my mother hasn't given... Yes, I'll get them for you at once. Excuse me, gentlemen. Shall I go with you, Alex? No, if you'll just wait in your room, Alicia. Mother! Mother, where are you? Are you sure this is all right, Deb? Meeting you like this in a public park? Oh, stop worrying. You're talking about keys. Yes. His mother keeps them. Yes, all but one. The key to the wine cellar. Alex keeps that one himself. Joseph told me. Then get it from him. Get it? How? Don't you live near him? What do I look for in the wine cellar? Look for a bottle of wine like, like that one that unnerved the late Mr. Hooker. Vintage 1934. All wine bottle, bottles look alike to me. I'm no master mind. You're doing all right. It's no fun, Dev. Uh, it's too late for that now, isn't it? Look... Why don't you persuade your husband to throw a large shindig and introduce his bride to Rio Society next week, say? Why? Invite me and I'll try to find out about that wine cellar. I don't think my husband is interested in entertaining Don't me. underestimate your charms, Mrs. Sebastian. You can promote a party. It won't be easy getting you there. He thinks you're in love with me. Then, uh, tell him that you think if you invited me and I could see how happily married you are, the horrid passion I have for you might diminish. Well, I'll try. Good. And get the key. I'll be looking forward to seeing you, Mr. Depp. It's always a pleasure meeting you, madame. Good day. Still 
shaving, Alex? Do hurry, dear. Our guests will be arriving soon. Don't tell me your dress. Of course. Oh, let me let me look at you. Well? Oh, Alicia. <laughs> like a dream. A dream. <laughs> now, please hurry, dear. Oh, don't go. Stay there and talk. Oh, what about... Oh, your dressing table. What's wrong with my dressing table? Do you mean to say you carry all these things around in your pockets? <laughs> oh, what then? Well, talk about a woman's purse. Look at this litter. Papers and letters, two wallets, cigarette case, cigarette holder, keys. <laughs> keys. You know, you know, my dear, I'm really surprised that Mr. Devlin is coming. A key to the wine cellar. Alicia. Y- y- yes, dear. You're suddenly silent. Don't worry. I don't blame anyone for falling in love with you. Oh, it's not that I don't trust you, darling, but when you're in love at my age... Alicia, is anything wrong? Wrong? Oh, my word, you look so serious. Oh, I'm a fool. I should never have mentioned Devlin. Forgive me, darling. Of course. Well? What? What do you want? Hold your hand, dear. May oh. I kiss your hand? Oh, Alicia, not that clenched-up little fist. Are you hiding oh, something Alex, in your hand? Alex, doesn't it occur to you that... I might like to kiss you, too. Oh, Alicia. Alicia. Good evening, Mr. Sebastian. Mr. Devlin, I'm glad to see you. It's kind of your bride to invite me. Well, we both invited you, Mr. Devlin. Uh, Excuse me, Alicia. I must introduce Madame Astrid. A key? Yeah, in my hand. Good. Now, this won't be easy. He's quite sensitive about you. He's going to be watching us like a hawk. How's the liquor supply up here? What do you mean? I mean, if he should run out, he'd go down the cellar for more, wouldn't he? Oh, I hadn't thought of that. That's quite a point. But you must work fast. I can't. I'm supposed to be a guest here. I'll slip away later on. You better go to your friend. I'll find you. Nice party, isn't it, Alicia? It's a wonderful party. You handled things perfectly. I'm very proud. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. What, what happened to Mr. Devlin? I haven't seen him for an hour. Oh, he's around, I imagine, trying to drown his sorrows. Oh. Excuse me, dear. I think I'll ask the officer to play something livelier. We've had nothing but waltzes all evening. see you come in here. No, I don't think so. And uh, is this the door to the wine cellar? Yes, for heaven's sake, Dad, hurry. Oh, lots of time. I- I'll be out in the garden. There's a door from the wine cellar that leads to the garden. When you get downstairs, open it. You'll be there? Yes, I'll be there in case anything happens. No, hurry. Get out of here. No, 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 not upstairs. The door to the garden. No, but he's coming that way. Keep quiet. It's Alex. 
He sees us. Keep looking at me. No. I'm going to kiss you. No, no, he'll only think that. That's what I wanted to think. Dad. Oh, Dad. It's almost as if we meant it, wasn't it? Now, push me away. I'm sorry to intrude on this tender scene. Alex, Alex, I... I couldn't help it. He's been drinking. Why are you out here? Or did he carry you? Oh, Alex. You love him. Oh, no, no, I don't. Please go, Ted. Please. For what it's worth as an apology, Mr. Sebastian, your wife is telling the truth. I knew her before you, loved her before you, but wasn't as lucky as you. Sorry, Alicia. He kissed you. Oh, Alex, don't I... I came out here because he threatened to make a scene unless I'd seen him alone. He kissed you. I couldn't stop him. I tried. Oh, I don't. We'll talk about it later. We have guests inside. You're not coming with me? I came to get more wine. No, I, I'd better go back with you. People, people may wonder. Darling, it's late. I thought you went upstairs long ago. I've been helping Joseph clean up. Besides, you you said you wanted to see me. Oh, uh, uh, Devlin. Yes? Oh, I acted like a stupid schoolboy. Once again, I'm ashamed of myself. You do believe me? Oh, Alicia, of course. Thank you. Aren't you coming up there? No, not for a while. Professor Anderson's still in the study. Sleep well, Alicia. Good night, Alex. Thanks for being so nice. In. Why are you up so early? I need your help. Something is wrong. It's a great deal. Alicia. I have expected it. I knew it. I knew. Who is it? Mr. Devlin? No, no. It's much more serious than that. I am married to an American agent. Alicia. Late last night after she went to bed, Joseph came to me. There were some bottles to be returned to the cellar. He asked me for the key. This key. It was gone. Gone? Where was it? Ten minutes ago and I woke up and it was back on my keychain. She'd been down there, the wine cellar. It is easy to see now. I knew long ago, but I did not see. They picked her up because of her father. I must have been insane to behave like an idiot, to believe in her. Stop wallowing in your memories. I'm done, Mother. I'm finished. They'll find out. Anderson, Eric, Martise, Rosner. Look what they did to Hooker. He did next to nothing, and I betrayed them. I'd do the same thing myself, kill the fool who betrayed them. There is no need for them to find out. Oh, they're too clever. Who would imagine that you are married to an American agent? No. For a while, at least, the enormity of your stupidity is your protection. But Alicia, I'll take care of her myself. No, not that way. I stood looking at her just now as she lay sleeping in there. Be so easy. You are almost as impetuous as you were before your wedding. You barred me from that episode. Let me arrange this one. No one else must know what she is. There must be no suspicion. She must be allowed to move about freely. But she will be on a leash. Then, then, in time it will happen. But it must happen slowly. She will become ill. Remain ill for a time. Until one day... This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. 
across the nation and around the world. This is REN, the Radio Entertainment Network. Heard on great stations like Harrisburg Area Radio Reading Service, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Our stars will return with Act Three of Notorious in a moment. Our guest tonight is that rarity in movie town, a native Californian, blonde, blue-eyed Jacqueline White. I understand you've been interested in a movie career since childhood, Jacqueline. That's right, Mr. Keeley. And now you've seen your dream come true with many successful picture roles. Well, I was especially happy with my part in RKO's new picture, Night Song. You gave a very fine performance, Jacqueline, as Merle Brown's best friend. She was wonderful in her role, Mr. Keeley. It's an inspiring performance. And Dana Andrews at his best in those tender, sensitive love scenes with Merle. Dana told me he really enjoyed playing the part of a composer because he loves music so. And there's plenty of that in Night Song, and for every taste. I loved every minute we were working. But I did have a twinge of envy when I saw those gorgeous clothes designed for Merle Oberon. One negligee in particular. It was very simply made, but the softest, most beautiful satin imaginable. Merle told me she was going to have it copied for her own wardrobe. And uh, John Kennedy might be interested in something else she said about it. Something about luck? Oh, yes. Because she didn't think it would wash until the studio luxed it, and it came out lovely. Was she impressed? RKO, just like other leading Hollywood studios, insists on Lux care for all nice washables. So, what could be safer for a star's own lovely things? Or for any girl's? And here's another interesting point. Did you know that with Lux Care, you can have three times as many pretty underthings? Well, that's for me, Mr. Kennedy. But how do you figure it? Well, underthings washed the Lux way stay lovely three times as long. Tests proved that. Identical slips and nighties washed the wrong way soon looked faded and drab. So, instead of replacing slips often because they're old-looking, you can buy extra new ones. Have three times as many. And as you say, Jacqueline, that's something any girl would like. Thank you for coming tonight, Miss White. Back now to our producer, William Keeley. Be sure to join us after our final curtain for a brief chat with tonight's stars. Here's the third act of Notorious, starring Ingrid Bergman as Alicia and Joseph Cotton as Devlin. passing days have brought to Alicia not the slightest inkling that her husband and his mother are well aware of her real purpose in the Sebastian residence. Now, in response to a phone call from Prescott, Alicia meets Devlin in a quiet corner of a public park. I'm sorry I couldn't make it on time, Dad. Gets a bit lonely squatting on a park bench all day. I was ill. Oh, don't let it alarm you. I'm all right now. Prescott said you'd have a message for me. I want you to know you can be proud of yourself. That sample of sand I got shows uranium ore. Your job from now on is to help us find out where the ore is coming from. Anything else? Putting some new men on the case, you may soon have a new contact. You're leaving? Possibly. Paris may be more interesting. Yes. Yes, there really isn't very much for a brainy fellow like you to do here anymore. That's right. I'm going stale, I... Say, you don't look so hot. <laughs> well, this fresh air would help me. Think to my son. Oh, don't be so charitable, Dad. It could be a hangover, you know. Back to the bottle again, huh? It lightens my chores. Big party? Oh, just a family circle. Must have been quite an evening. Well, go on, have fun. There's no reason why you shouldn't. No. Well, 
Goodbye, Dad. What do you mean, goodbye? Just goodbye. Goodbye, fresh air isn't as good for hangovers, I thought. Sit down, you're still tight. No, I, I don't want to. Where are you going? Home, back home. Alex is coming home early. I'd better be there. Alex, the drug. You were able to get some more. Yes, I've got it. Mother, you're sure? You're sure she doesn't suspect? She knows she is ill. That is all. She is going to feel a little worse after dinner. As a matter of fact, right after she drinks her coffee. Well, we might all go into the living room. Joseph will bring our coffee in there. Alicia. Yes, Professor. My dear, you uh, you don't look at all well. Alice, what, uh, what's wrong with her? We, we, we just don't know. <laughs> it's those highballs I sneak on the side. Oh, darling, don't joke about it. Why, she hasn't had so much as a sherry all week. Well, hadn't you better see the doctor, Alicia? I never go near doctors. They always want to cart you off to a hospital. <laughs> Perhaps you belong in a hospital. When did all this start? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe after the party. I still I think a sea trip would be much better for you, darling, than doctors and hospitals. Oh, no, no, no. I'll be all right. What about the mountains? Altitude for share. I'm going next week. Oh, you're leaving us, Professor. I'm sorry. I'll miss you. Well, you could come with me. The Amores Mountains are beautiful, covered with flowers. What Alicia needs is rest, not mountain climbing. I've heard about the Amores in those, those little native towns. Are you going to Leopoldina? No, no, no. I am going to Santa Maria. Well, here's our coffee. Just leave it, Joseph. I'll serve. Yes, madame. <laughs> I will not allow you to wait up me, madame. I can serve myself. No, that's... that is not your cup. My cup? No, that, that's Alicia's cup. Full for time. It's, it's not quite full, you notice. <laughs> oh, you're giving our little secret away, Professor. Oh. Yes, we, we have a confession. You know how Alicia loves coffee, Professor. Alex and I think she has been taking too much. We cheat a little. Here you are, dear. Thank you. Ah, is it, uh, is it hot enough? It's fine, Alex. Uh, perhaps Alex is right, Alicia. About rest. When you are young, rest is the best, Doctor. Uh, excuse me, Alicia. I want to go to bed. The pain again, darling. I'm sorry to complain all the time. May I take you to your room? Oh, please forgive me. I'll be all right. Alex, I, I'm worried about her. We wanted to call a doctor yesterday, but she simply... Mr. Was... Sebastian! Mr. Sebastian! Yes? What is it, Joseph? Mrs. Sebastian! She collapsed! No. Oh, no. Go away. No. It's all right, Alicia. No. It's all right. You'll feel better soon. Oh, I... You're here in your own bed. I don't want... Please let me call the hospital. Professor, uh... you're already late for your meeting with Eric Matisse. Yes, I I must go, I suppose. Mm. Uh, good night. I'll go to the door. Joseph. Yes, madam? She must have absolute quiet. Disconnect I... the telephone. No. no. Take it out of the room, Joseph. No. Five days now, Prescott. Alicia hasn't been near the park for five days. Well, she was to check with one of us at least every other day. Yeah. That must be quite a binge she's on. No. No, I don't think so. Well, you were the one who said she was drinking. Yeah, I've had time to think it over. I don't believe it now. Why should she lie about it? I don't know. I, I don't know, but it, it wasn't a hangover. She was sick. She looked like the ragged end of nowhere. Yeah, well, it still sounds like a hangover to me. Well, I'm... 
I'm going to pay a call. Now, wait a minute. Don't worry. I won't mess anything up. Just a social call. I'm a friend of the family. Well, call me when you get back. I'll do that. <laughs> for a man about to be leaving for Paris, I'll I... talk to you later about that. I'd like to see that transfer held up for a while. I am very sorry, Mr. Devlin. Mr. Sebastian asked me not to disturb him. Company? He's in the study with some business associates, sir. How long will he be tied up? I do not know. Mrs. Sebastian at home? Yes, sir, but she is very ill. Oh. Oh, uh, how long has she been ill? A week, sir. Has she had a doctor? I believe so, sir. I really do not know. We are very concerned about her. If you will wait here, Mr. Devlin, I will tell Mr. Sebastian. Yes, go on, Professor. This sounds serious to me. Yes. What happened Monday? The same thing, Eric. When I left the bank, a man was following me. And this morning, when I went to the ticket office, he was there again. Yes? I'm very sorry, sir. But Mr. Devlin is calling. Oh, uh, tell him I'll be with him in a minute. Yes, sir. Now, the ticket office. What man, Professor? What did he look like? Oh, obviously not a Brazilian. It's hard to describe Alex. him. I... Mr. Devlin, he's waiting. Well, I, uh, let him wait, Eric. This is terrible news, Professor. This is terrible. supposed to be downstairs waiting for your husband. Oh, oh, I'm so glad you came. I couldn't stand it anymore, waiting and wondering. Alicia, what is it? Oh, I'm sick. They're poisoning me. I couldn't get away, Dad. I tried when I was too weak. How long? Ever since the party. Alex and his mother, they found out. Come on. Try to sit up. Yes. Here. Let me help you. Oh. I've got to get you out of here. I thought you'd left Rio. Oh, I, I had to see you once more and speak my piece. I was... I was getting out because I love you. I couldn't bear seeing you and him together. You love me. Mm. But why didn't you tell me before? Oh, I, I just couldn't see straight, think straight. You love me. Long ago, all the time, since the beginning. Here. Get on your robe. I can't tell I'm afraid they gave me pitch to sleep. Yeah, you've got to keep awake. Keep talking. Keep talking. Can my coat put it over your robe? Alex, Alex and his mother, they, they don't want the others to know about me. But don't stop talking. What happened? Alex found out. Not the others? No. No, they'd kill Alex if they knew. Matisse would kill him. He killed him, Luke. Here, put your arm around me. You've got to stand up. Oh, Deb, I Say it again. I love you. I love you. Alicia, please stand up. Come on, talk, talk. Professor Anderson. Yes. Sand comes from Imores Mount. We'll find it. A town called Santa Santa Marta. Good, good. We'll take care of that later. Now you're on your feet, Alicia. Now move them. Mm. Move them. Walk. Start walking. They're all down there in his stuff. We can't make They've it. You've made the doorway. The stairs aren't far. I've got hold of you, darling. Yes. You've got to walk yourself. If you don't keep moving, you... Oh, don't ever leave me. You'll never get rid of me again. I never tried to, Dad. Brace up. 
Yes. Here he comes. What is this? What are you doing, Alicia? What is this, Mr. Devlin? I'm taking her to the hospital to get the poison out of her. Poison? How would you like your friends down there to know? I'm taking Alicia back to her room. No, Devlin. Not no. a gun, Sebastian. No. It'll raise quite a rumpus if you try. Alex, be quiet, Mother. Alex, he knows. Yes. What is happening, Alex? Alicia. She is hurt? Yes. Now stay right where you are, Sebastian. Yeah, go on. Uh, we're going there. We're going downstairs. You haven't forgotten what they did to Emil Hupka, have you, Sebastian? Hupka, Alex. Yeah, I'm glad you have a head on you, madame. I'm not afraid to die. That's your chance to die right here and now. Just call your friends to come out in the hall and tell them who Alicia really is. You need any help, buddy? No, we can handle her. Where are you taking her? You answer that one, Sebastian. To the hospital. Alex, talk to them. I'm glad she's going, Alex. You should have waited not this long. Well, what do I do, Sebastian? Start shooting? Oh. Hold on, darling. Hold on. Only 20 yards to go out yes. the front door and then into my car. Alex, what are you doing? Who's that one? Matisse, Eric. Matisse. Alex, uh, we're taking Alicia to the hospital, Eric. She had another attack. Uh, Mr. Devlin heard her scream as he was waiting for me. Uh, uh, come, Alicia. Come, come. I phoned the hospital as soon as I saw how she was, Mr. Matisse. Why didn't you send for an ambulance? Here, Alex. Your coat. Oh. You are not going with them, madame? No. Alex will call me. I'll wait here. Oh, you poor child. Here. I'll open the door. The moisture, Alicia. How do you feel? Oh, the air is dizzy. Take some, take some deep breaths. I'll open the car door. Oh, you made it. You made it, Alicia. Sit down, darling. Yes. Easy. Yes. Easy now. Hurry, please. Hurry. They're in the doorway. They're watching me. Close the door, Sebastian. Just a minute. I must go with her. No room, Sebastian. You must take me. I can't go back to him. Sure, I had a. Please, please. Please. Alec, come here. I have just been up to her room. There is no telephone in her room, Alex. How could he have called the hospital? Alex, will you come in, please? We wish to talk to you. And that was Notorious. Starring Ingrid Bergman and Joseph Cotton. Thrilling stuff. Well, thank you for joining me for this slightly truncated 0.5 version of Attaboy Clarence. There will be a bonus review show coming to patrons in the next few days with a very famous western. Hopefully that will suffice until I can rid myself of household distractions. Either way, I'll be back with you very soon. So until then, take very good care of yourself. And bye for now.